On this episode of Location Cubed, Howard and I are joined by Weaver's very own Tyler Martin. We talk about manufactured housing, and Weaver is sponsoring a happy hour at ULI's fall meeting. But before we get to that, if you like what you hear, please hit the like button like it won't stop calling you to ask you about your car's extended warranty. Howard, let's talk about ULI's fall meeting for a moment. All right. We talked about it in our last episode. Right. I know you can't stop laughing. Talk about uh, our ULI happy hour. So as we said before, ULI is having their fall meeting here in Dallas at the end of October. Uh, Monday, they're having an opening reception, and then following that reception, we are going to be hosting a happy hour. Uh, more details to come, uh, but we hope to see everybody there. But the more important thing is we have our friend Tyler Martin with us. Um, very happy to have you. Thanks for stay, extending your stay a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having some me. time in the studio with us. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, like you mentioned, I am a senior manager with Weaver in the uh, real estate audit practice down in Houston. Uh, spent the entirety of my 12-year public accounting career here at Weaver, um, focusing mostly on real estate and multifamily, single family, including build for rent, single family rentals, uh, land development, and manufactured housing. But be before we go further, I noticed your socks. It does, do those say propane on them? They do indeed, yes. Okay, as a, as a fan of you know eccentric socks, I always have to notice things like that. Is indeed. there a story behind the socks? Uh, yes, I have a friend that works for the Propane Education Reso Research Council. So, And one of the perks is getting propane Free socks. Free swag. Okay, good indeed. stuff. I personally would rather ask for a grill than socks, but what the heck. There you go. I, I would ask for propane accessories as my tri tribute to you know King of the Hill. Indeed. So, Tyler, let's do a little bit of uh, myth busting here. Sure. There's Manufactured housing has some connotations, which probably aren't necessarily realistic. So, why don't you share us a little, share with us a little bit about that in terms of what are some misconceptions that people think about with respect to manufactured housing, and what's the real truth behind that? Well, one of the first big ones is when you say manufactured housing, what a lot of people think of is uh, you know the mobile home, the trailer, yeah. um, and that's actually uh, kind of a different thing. That's kind of a legacy name. Um, in the 70s, HUD came out with some new building requirements, and that's kind of was the birth of manufactured housing. So, one of the big misconceptions is from a quality stand, excuse me, a quality standpoint that these homes are not built to last, they're not comfortable, they don't have the amenities, uh, and that's really started to change, especially in the last 10 years or so. Uh, manufactured housing uh, production kind of fell off a cliff uh, after the 80s. Mm -hmm. And within the last 10 years has really been kind of ramping up. It's mm -hmm. been slow, a bit of a slow burn as we were talking about uh, previously. But uh, along with that is more of a focus on um, quality amenities and bringing a product that people truly want to live in. Okay. Any other misconceptions? Yeah, so another one that you'll hear thrown around is that uh, manufactured housing communities are inherently exploitative. And while that does exist, let's not diminish that. Um, what you're seeing a lot of now are these organizations called resident-owned communities, mm -hmm. where there are incentives and programs, either through not-for-profits, uh, and I think the government's even getting involved in this, to provide some uh, low-interest loans for individuals to actually buy the community, buy the land. Uh, very often they will own the manufactured home, but not the dirt under it. and so. Uh, these ROCs, as they're called, uh, will actually go buy that. They'll um, run it themselves, so they're not worried about making a return for an investor. Right. They can reinvest those funds. Uh, many of these uh, communities are starting to age mm -hmm. and need some more infrastructure, capital spend, and so instead of that money going to an investor somewhere, 
it can go back into new sewer lines, new streets, things like that. It would seem to me though that you know maybe there will be a, f a continued rise in these types of communities because as you have rising interest rates, home affordability becomes out of reach for certain folks, right, and certain generations. That these types of communities may actually help bridge the gap. Absolutely, they will, home uh, and not just from an affordability standpoint, but from an attainability standpoint, mm -hmm. a workforce standpoint. Right. Um, it, it's almost kind of a self-perpetuating problem that as we need to build more housing, more mm -hmm. affordable housing, we need more skilled laborers in areas like Dallas, with a lot of uh, you know influx of corporations, mm -hmm. areas like Houston, many others. Mm -hmm. uh, so bringing those laborers in, they need somewhere to live as well. Mm -hmm. So there, there needs to be affordable and attainable housing, uh, even if it's just for a short period of time. Uh, so without a doubt, I think uh, manufactured housing is one of the solutions to the affordable housing and attainable housing problem that we have. Mm -hmm. uh, you've already seen states getting involved. Uh, for example, Governor Newsom in California has uh, made several comments about starting programs to subsidize uh, manufactured housing communities. Uh, and I think you'll start seeing that on the federal level as well. Well, you you mentioned that, that the government's going to potentially start helping there. You know, one of the things that's a little different with a manufactured house versus a regular house is that it's not real property, so you can't get a mortgage loan. Correct. Do you see that in the future that that may start to change, that maybe the agencies will start to make changes to their standards that will allow for people who buy a manufactured house to get a 30-year loan or something? I kind of think they'll have to. If the government is saying we need to do something about the affordable housing problem in, in America, it would stand to reason then that the you know government arm that lends money to people buying houses would follow suit and mm -hmm. provide some uh, lower interest rate subsidized loans because they're also much shorter. Like you mentioned, these are not conventional 30-year mortgages. They're right. typically much shorter. Uh, and so just based on that alone, you've got higher um, higher payments day one. But uh, on the bright side, you're building equity faster. That's true. You definitely are. And with the increase in quality, uh, especially over the last 10 years, you're building equity in a product that's actually going to last mm -hmm. more than 20, 25 years. Right. right. Okay. What about the technology around you know, some types of manufactured housing. Does that change? Has 3D printing become a factor of other advents in technology um, help to, to change the process of actually building one of these homes? Absolutely, from a, um, you know, a, a value and scalability standpoint, from, you know, building in different amenities that were not really possible mm -hmm. on something that has to be innately mobile. Because uh, one of the issues, you know, with a mobile home, it's gotta be light enough that it can be actually taken on a road and, and meet those load requirements. Mm -hmm. So with the technology that's being developed, they're able to build lighter homes that still have all the amenities that people want. Mm -hmm. But that's a good segue because another uh, really interesting thing that we're seeing, uh, you know, the idea of modular homes is nothing new, using mm -hmm. things like containers to build mm -hmm. homes. Um, there are you know, plenty of buildings right. that have been built and, and modules and then, and then assembled. But what we're seeing is the technology catching up and moving to the next level. And mm -hmm. 3D printing is definitely yeah. one of those. Uh, there's uh, a lot of new companies that are popping up. Uh, in fact, one that's backed by one of Bill Gates' investment arms uh, because he, you know, affordable housing is one of his passions mm -hmm. uh, and uh, technology obviously as well. So bringing that to bear um, to try to help solve that problem. So uh, you've got homes now that will 3D print in concrete mm -hmm. on site and can lay down all the walls, interior and exterior on a 2,500 square foot house less than 24 hours. Mm -hmm. As opposed to framing that house would take at least a week and that's yeah. if there's no labor or supply shortages. Right, I think there's probably some carryovers into other potential housing sectors as well. 
you know, student housing needs to go up fast, right? Absolutely. We, we, we do have a shortage of student housing. Um, you know, the average military housing, I'm talking not on base, but off base military housing for families and others that have extended housing needs. Some of those homes are on average 30 to 40 years old in disrepair and need to be replaced. I could see this technology carrying over into both of those housing sectors. As well. Absolutely. I completely agree. And one of the other benefits with manufactured housing, there's a, a company based in Austin that's experimenting with designs that uh, based on the work that they have done, the research they've done, believe could withstand category five hurricanes. So for oh, somewhere yeah. like the Gulf Coast, that could sure. be huge. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think from the you know, the manufactured housing standpoint, or I should say the 3D printing and such, obviously it's still very expensive. Right. And so that needs to get to a point where it's going to be scaled, but kind of taking that and then taking the affordable or attainable standpoint, would you foresee perhaps situation where a home builder that wants to do a BTR community does that all through 3D printing? And maybe, you know, like you said, they can pour a house in a week or in a day, excuse me, that theoretically you could put up an entire subdivision in six months. Um, and it would obviously be hard to sell that many houses in six months, but to rent them up, maybe not so much. Well, and I mentioned one of the things that uh, I have several clients involved in is build for rent or single family rental. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely think because they, they can't build them fast enough. So if you want to build a community of 200 homes and you've got three of these machines working, once it gets to a point where it's scalable, if you can build that neighborhood in a matter of two, three months, that's a huge advantage in the right. marketplace, uh, especially with the volatility that, that we're kind of moving into. So the quicker you can do something, uh, much easier to forecast things, uh, much easier to meet the demand. So I definitely think that that's something that will carry over into something like single family rentals or what I would call maybe mm -hmm. special purpose housing yep. for military. Yep. Um, even in medical centers, we see that a lot in Houston mm -hmm. where, um, especially during the pandemic, we could not keep nurses and doctors housed bringing them in from other places mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there just wasn't housing sure. uh, and so i think you know moving forward if we have situations like that or other similar situations where you have a large transient workforce mm -hmm. you've got to be able to respond quickly yeah. to that need it's you know interesting you mentioned the, the item about these types of houses potentially withstanding category five hurricanes well don't only think about them in, in that context but what happens when there is a natural disaster and to your point you have to build housing quickly, Correct. whether it's to house temporary workers who are then going to help reconstruct facilities or actually reconstruct those houses. Correct. Yeah, Very there's always stuff. a huge surge in rents in Houston after a hurricane yeah, because sure. you have people coming in all over the country, framers, carpenters, sure. coming in to do rebuilding. So right. if you need to do less rebuilding, you have less of a need there. It, it helps kind of solve itself in some ways. Sure. And not to mention the fact that if you're building these out of 3D, 3D printing them out of concrete, that's got to help from a fire safety standpoint, which is ultimately going to help out the insurance industry Absolutely. and potentially with lower claims, keep costs lower for people as well. Correct. So one last thing on the manufactured housing is there's probably for about the last decade or so, everybody's been talking about the consolidation of the industry. Very similar to self-storage, um, manufactured housing communities have been mom and pop owned. Uh, we're starting to see some, or we've been seeing institutional interest in there, but just hasn't seemed to be picking up as fast as everyone was predicting. Uh, why do you see that's the case perhaps and what do you foresee for the future say over the next five years i think it's a product that those institutional investors private equity firms had shied away from for a long time and there is the stigma they have to work across <laughs> as well um, but i think with uh, kind of some of the advances uh, in breaking some of those stigmas 
Uh, we've seen quite a lot in Houston, and I've seen stories here in Dallas as well, of uh, some more institutional real estate developers that are getting involved in it because they see a potential quality product. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, there's one that's going up in Houston, 700 uh, spaces for manufactured homes. Uh, and they estimate that the average price, including the land, be somewhere in the 150 to 175,000 range, uh, as opposed to the national average is 120,000 for a manufactured home. So they're specifically targeting, targeting something uh, that has a little bit more, at least feel of luxury, that has more mm -hmm. amenities, a community that feels more like a community. And so I think the more you see that, the more you will see interest from uh, the, re the institutional real estate investors. And I think it will be um, maybe a bit of a snowball as things pick up, we'll see more and more consolidation but it has been a very slow burn. Okay, and that's really telling about that price because you're looking at about a $30,000 swing, but when you also keep in mind that Houston and Texas in general, land is usually a lot cheaper than the national average, that's bigger than it seems Correct. in terms of the differential. That's exactly right. And that's all the time we have on Location Cubed. Remember to mark your calendars for October 24th and join Weaver at our happy hour at ULI's fall meeting. You can always find all of our podcasts on weaver.com as well as on iTunes and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, hit the like button like it will not stop calling you to check about your car's extended warranty. We'll talk to you soon.